Welcome back to another glass of Shirley Faye. We have such an interesting episode to dive into today. We are speaking with Melissa, who is someone I grew up going to school with, who was part of a very strict religious community growing up. And she is coming on the podcast today to share her story for the very first time. She's no longer part of the community anymore, but she is coming on here and sharing what it was like to be a part of a very male-dominated religious community and talking about how that affected her then and how that continues to affect her now. We chat a little bit about what it was like for her being in a public school surrounded by other people who weren't a part of this community. We also talk about what it was like growing up within this household, what it was like to date, to be in a relationship, talking about sex, and so many more of her own personal stories that she's coming on here to share today. I just want to start off by saying that we are solely talking about Melissa's personal experiences and not talking about religion as a whole. Religion can be such an extremely positive experience for so many people, and unfortunately, it wasn't for her. And this is the very first time that she's going public with her story, so I wanted to make sure that I was able to give her the platform to be able to do just that. Now, without further ado, let's dive into the episode. Okay, so I'm so excited to be here with Melissa today. Funny story about Melissa. We actually went to school together. I went to school with her and her two sisters. And um, actually, one of her sisters was in my class for like from like kindergarten to the 10th grade. So I've basically known her since I was a little kid. Um, And I just remembered her and her sisters always wearing skirts. They always looked so beautiful with their hair. They had beautiful, 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 long, long, long hair that went down to their ankles. And yeah, I, so I invited Melissa on the podcast today because I've recently found out that, um, she is no longer within the community that she grew up in. And I wanted her to come on the podcast and talk a little bit about what it was like growing up within the community that she grew up in. So I'm going to pass the mic over to Melissa and let her introduce herself. And so tell us what you do. Tell us who you are. Hello, my name is Melissa and I'm a massage therapist here in Fredericton. Um, I've been a massage therapist since 2012 and yeah, I basically grew up in a cult. So that was fun. (laughs) So I just want to prefix by saying um, that we are not we are not bashing any kind of religion in this podcast episode. Uh, We are very much just talking about Melissa's story and her upbringing and what it was like growing up again within the community that she grew up in. So I really just want to preface that and just say that we are not bashing all religion and we're really just talking about her story and her story alone. So tell us, (laughs) tell us a little bit about how you grew up. Tell us a little bit about what you grew up with, um, life with your parents, life with your sisters, all that kind of stuff. Cause you're the oldest out of the three sisters. So I guess you were the first one that was kind of like brought into it and how, uh, what kind of an age difference do you have between your other sisters? Um, there's 14 months between me and Amanda and then four years between me and Vanessa. Okay. Okay. So growing up, it was like all about church. So at a very young age, we were living in Quebec. So we were in a very small, like farm community. And 
we didn't really have like I wasn't in school yet at the time I remember like I was only like three or four and all we did was go to church on like Wednesday Saturday and Sunday and it was just like we had no outside friends so I didn't know the difference like I didn't see the other children around in our community as different because I always just saw the church kids so I didn't notice that we were different until I got into preschool and then I was like oh my god I, I don't connect to any of these kids they're talking about all these tv shows and movies and 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 video games that I was never allowed to participate in or enjoy because my parents were so so strict in controlling our viewing of anything like we weren't allowed to watch anything made by Hollywood listen to anything made by Hollywood so no music no no tv in the house so it was so so strict that like now looking back at it I I honestly don't know how I was able to like connect and make friends because I had nothing in common with any of the kids that's really interesting. Really I actually, um, there was like a few circumstances that I remember being, uh, like being in the same class as Vanessa. Uh, mm-hmm. there was one particular circumstance that I remember that I think we were in fourth grade and the teacher wanted to put on, um, the Simpsons Halloween special. Cause it was on <laughs> Halloween day and yeah. we had to change, uh, what we were watching because, because she wasn't allowed to watch it and she wasn't allowed to be part of what we were watching. Um, so it was just, it was really interesting to see kind of, cause obviously she was upset. I, I, I remember her being upset. I don't know if she remembers it. Um, but I remember her kind of like being upset that she was, that she was the reason why we had to watch something else. Yeah. So I remember that circumstance particularly, but I'm sure that you have lots of other ones that you can tell Mm -hmm. us about too. Yeah, I remember one specific one. We were in, I think, grade 11 and Miss Stairs wanted us to read 1984. And that was such a dystopian kind of book. And the second my mom read like the basic description on Google, she was like, hell no, you're not reading that. Really? So she like, she came to school and took Miss Stairs out of the classroom when we were in class and spoke to her and me in the hallway by herself. And basically Miss Stairs stood up for me immediately. And she was like, Melissa, do you want to read this book? I'm like, yes. And so she looked at my mom and she was like, if she feels like she should be reading this book, it's part of the curriculum. I think she should read it. And my mom was so like taken back, taken Mm -hmm. back. But like she, she could tell that like Miss Stairs was on my side and by the, by the looks of things, I was going to be reading it no matter what she said. So she just kind of stormed off. And I remember that so vividly because that right there earned so much respect for Miss Stairs for me. I was like, mm-hmm. you are a queen. Thank you so much <laughs> for standing up for me. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about, um, give us a little bit more background. Like, obviously I kind of know a little bit more than our listeners would just because I, I kind of grew up around you and your sisters, but give yeah. us a little bit more background on what, what, I guess what the religion was, um, what you needed to follow, what the rules were. And if your whole family, like, was it something that just your parents started, started following, or was it like a generation thing that it was their parents as well? So tell us a little bit about that. Okay. So it began, it it was kind of different for each of my parents. My mom chose to join the religion when she was 12 years old, when both of her parents passed away 
Um, it was kind of like her crutch. It was like her healing method. She chose religion instead of going to therapy, which was the biggest mistake of her life, in my opinion. And then my dad at 17, he was like feeling like he was lost basically. So he chose religion as like finding a path in his life. Okay. And they actually met at like 23 at a church camp. So it was church camps in our religion are the place where you go to meet your significant other. Okay. It's like this giant dating pool. It's awful. So is so, it, um, I guess like from, from the knowledge that I have with the, the religions that are a little bit more strict in that sense for dating and relationships and that kind of stuff, did they have to, were they courting each other beforehand and, or was it arranged or how did that kind of work with them? Um, it was up to you, but it was, it was kind of like coerced from a very young age that like you have to meet and marry someone within our religion. So that's kind of the point of these church camps was to allow other people from different areas to meet each other within the same religion. So my mom was from Madawaska, Maine, and my dad was from Montreal and they met in Michigan at this camp at 23, dated for eight months and then got married and had me immediately. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So in this religion, you're not allowed to touch at all while dating, not okay. a hold, no holding hands, no kissing, nothing. You know, that stupid uh, little line that they use Bibles with apart. It's, it's real. Like you have to keep a distance at all times. Like you're not okay. allowed to touch each other at all. So their first time having sex was on the night of their honeymoon. Okay. So wow. hence me being born like exactly immediately afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so to give kind of a background on this religion so it was founded by a guy who basically everyone calls a prophet and he his name was William Branham and he was basically he's he said that he was spoken through by God so everything he was saying was told to him in confidence by God basically so he used to have these huge evangelical like sermons and every sermon he he preached basically was recorded and kept on tape so even though these sermons were preached in like the 1930s they're still followed to this day because they actually replay his sermons in church so a lot of the times if we didn't have a pastor at church for example we would just listen to his sermons okay. so we were basically being coerced and brainwashed with this man's ideals and being forced to follow what this man believed, even though he was just a man. So Interesting. That's, that's kind of why I took a step back in 11th grade. I started realizing that this was just a man who was preaching us these things. There's one thing, there's like, there's one way of like following the Bible and then there's following him. And our religion was mostly following this man. And I, that's where I started to like really find a disconnection mm, dis and disassociate like, a little bit absolutely I was like why are we following the teachings of this man who who was like in the 1930s has no idea what it's like to live today in the 2000s like there's no there I have no connection to anything that he's preaching and I have not I have no want to do anything mm -hmm. like this anymore so that's when I kind of started to just back off 
And my parents hated that. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can imagine just like growing up, obviously they, they, they wanted you to grow up with the same values and morals mm-hmm. that they had. And, and I'm sure that when you started kind of like drifting off and becoming your own person, and I think also being part of a public school and not, yeah. it's like you said, when you were growing up um, as a little girl within this community and you were just hanging out with um, the people that were within that community, it didn't feel any different for you. But once you hit preschool, it was like, oh, yeah. wow, this is a whole new world that I had no idea about. So was there any was there any reason why your parents had chosen to put you guys in a public school as opposed to putting you guys in Bible school? I think it was at the time, just because of the community we were living in, there wasn't a Bible school available in that area. And my mom considered homeschooling us many times, but she's just not academically smart enough to handle teaching three girls. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why she decided to just put us into public school. And we, I think being, I think being, um, being a teacher is like a, is incredible, but being a homeschool teacher where you're teaching every single thing within the curriculum for every single like math, science, everything, like you're teaching everything. So I feel like that would be hard on anybody, honestly, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially for three girls that were not the same age too. You had to be teaching different things at different levels. I feel like that would have been really, really hard to do. So I can, I can understand why she would have put you guys in public school, but then I can probably understand her, her fear in which you were going to be part of a brand new community that you had no Mm -hmm. idea, or she had no idea how that was going to affect you guys. Yeah. And I think she caught on pretty early on that, like, we were starting to make friends with those school friends and start Mm. wanting to do the things that they were doing and watch the shows and the movies that they were watching. So the, by the time I hit about like ninth grade, they started kind of letting me have a little bit more freedom, but not very much. Okay. (laughs) So, so tell me, tell us about a little, like some rules that you had to follow, um, maybe like within like elementary school to middle school, like just the, just the things that you guys had to follow all the time. So you said that you guys had to go to church Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays. So it was basically, you went to school, you went to church, but tell us a little bit about the, the rules that you had to follow, especially the rules that you had to follow as a woman. Because I think that Mm -hmm. I'm really interested to find out just the things that you, that you had to do or that you had to stick to being a woman within this community. Absolutely. I find that a lot of the rules in this religion were put only on the women. Mm -hmm. So I found that very difficult. So we were not allowed to cut our hair, no makeup, no piercings. We had to wear skirts past our knees or dresses. Um, no, no shoulders could be visible, no cleavage. So all of our shirts had to be like to the neck. Um, it was just so restrictive and there was no way of showing your own sense of style ever Mm -hmm. because you were forced within this garment that you had no choice but to wear. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And how did that make you feel growing up in public school and seeing other, other girls around you that were allowed to be doing these things and you weren't? I really hated it. And for some reason, I almost gravitated 
away from the female style and I kind of went more towards the boys look I don't know if you remember but I was super into like skateboarding in grade 11 and 12 and I was always wearing like skater shoes and like a hat and like an Aeropost or American Eagle t-shirt but then I had my stupid jean skirt and I just looked like an absolute idiot because I didn't fit in (laughs) yeah I I didn't ever think that you looked like an idiot but I can I can okay I can understand (laughs) I can understand why you would have felt like you were out of place yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely hard and I wish I could have found myself then, but I, I just was not allowed. <laughs> yeah. And how, like, so when did you start noticing that you, you didn't want to be a part of this anymore, that you didn't really want to follow the same things that your parents were following? Uh, probably in 10th grade. So I would have been grade. like 15. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And how did, I I know that you, um, you and Genesis have been together for quite a long time. You've been Mm -hmm. together since, um, since high school. Yeah. Yeah, Since grade 12. (laughs) So how was that? Um, how, how was that in the sense of the view from your parents that you'd started dating in school? It it wasn't through a church camp. Um, did they want you to start dating someone through the church camp or were they Mm -hmm. okay with Genesis being part of the family? How did that transition kind of go for you? So my first church camp was at 15 and that's when they were noticing that I was starting to try to like stray. So they were like, let's keep her in check and send her to church camp basically. And they were also hoping I would find a boyfriend there, I'm sure. And so in grade 11, I actually got my first boyfriend and it was Tony. I don't, do you remember Tony? <laughs> oh my God. I do remember Tony. I forgot about that. So we dated for six months and that was an absolute nightmare on my parents. Like they were getting Amanda to like watch me every day at school and report back and tell them, tell them everything I was doing at school with him. And they were like, you can't be dating, dating this boy. Like you're, you're not allowed to be kissing. Like purity is important and blah, 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 blah. Like it was, it was pretty awful. So I ended up actually, uh, he ended up actually breaking up with me the summer of grade 11. So then when I hit grade 12 and I started dating Jen, that was a whole another story because like, I didn't let my parents interfere with that one. I was like, this is what I'm doing. Deal with it basically. And they were wanting to to send me to church camp again that year. And I refused. Okay. I was like, no, I'm staying home. (laughs) So how did that affect your relationship with them? Oh, it, it was, it was hard from about 10th grade on, like, because they were so, so controlling. Um, and Eventually, I actually found out, I think it was grade, probably the middle of grade 11, my dad stormed up from the basement holding my diary in his hand because he, he had just read it. And come to find out, they had been reading it every single day for like the past five years. Oh so they God. knew everything about me that I, and I had no idea. So they used to sit down in my room with me and interrogate me for hours, asking me questions, personal questions, which they already knew the answer to because they had read my diary the night before, but they wanted to see if I was telling the truth. I can't even imagine how that must've felt for a adolescent girl to go through. My diary was my personal, like so Mm -hmm. many personal thoughts, you know what I mean? Yep. And that's such like a sense of disrupting your privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess like my next question would be, what was it like privacy wise? 
how, what kind of privacy did you have? Did you have any sense of privacy or did you think None. that you had some until you realized that they were reading your diary? I, I pretty much knew I didn't have any because I had my sister watching me all day, every day at school reporting did you, back. Did you know that she was? Oh, I was very much aware. Okay. Yep. Yep. I didn't care at that point. I was like, go ahead, report. Like, I don't care. Yeah. I'm doing, I'm doing what I want to do. And mm -hmm. Like I'm sick of following these bullshit rules. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. so dating Jen, how, from his perspective, did, was he, I guess, like welcomed into the family with open arms or like, how did that kind of, how did that transition go for you? He was not welcomed in for quite some time. Okay. Um, they, my parents took it really hard that I was like, going behind their back and not obeying their rules. So they kind of didn't welcome him into the house at all. I would sneak out after school and go to the movies with my friends and him without their permission a lot. <laughs> yeah. And, and then eventually I, I want to say probably in the last couple of months of grade 12 before the, like I was going to leave to college, they kind of decided to like, let him come to like some family events. So okay. he could kind of attend that, but like, they didn't really look at him as a member of the family ever. They were just okay. like, he's a boyfriend. He's going to be gone in like a couple months. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So and then when I moved to Fredericton, I was like, yes, freedom. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. did they, were they okay with you moving out, moving to Fredericton, kind of like doing what you want or were they you still had a relationship with them, but they were still, they were still a little standoffish by your decisions. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. They, they weren't, they weren't a fan of me leaving the house at all. But at that point I was like, you can't keep me here. Like I'm going to get an education period. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So in terms of love and sex and dating and all that kind of stuff, all the juicy stuff, mm -hmm. <laughs> tell me a little bit about what your definition of love was growing up, what you thought that love was supposed to look like and what you thought like being married and doing all of these things were supposed to look like in your eyes. Um, growing up in such a strict religion, they made it seem like the man. So the man of the household, your husband or your father were the rulers of your home and you had to obey everything that they said. Okay. So that was, that was really hard to to see myself in the future, having a husband like that, like, cause I'm such a strong-willed person. I was, I was like, just going to say that. You have no such way. A, yeah. I was just going to yeah. say you have such a strong personality. You have such like a strong sense of being in the room. Like people know when you're in the room with them. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. I, I can imagine that it would have been very confusing for you to look at that and be like, I just, I don't think that I could follow that me being in your shoes because mm -hmm. I also have a very strong personality too. I feel like I would yeah. question, I would have questioned those same things too. Yeah. Like I am not a submissive human at all. So I was like, <laughs> there's no way I'm going to have a, a husband hovering over me all the time. Like there's yeah. no way. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of how your parents raised you, was there a lot of affection that was shared between your mom and dad? Um, was it shared in front of you? in front of you girls minorly like you my mom would give my dad a kiss when he got home from work okay and they might hold hands sitting together on the couch but that was like pretty much it 
Okay. Um, and if they did have sex while we were in the house, you couldn't hear a thing. I had no okay. clue. <laughs> wow. And did yeah. they ever have any kind of conversations with you about, about sex, about dating, about relationships, about what love is supposed to look like? Um, I remember I was in maybe eighth grade. What, what grade was it, was it that we got like sex ed at school? I'm pretty sure it started when we were like in seventh grade. Okay. So when that year came around, Mr. Dunn was supposed to be teaching us sex ed. And my mom was like, hard no. She was like, I'm not having a man teaching my daughter what sex is. So she had (laughs) written a note, sent it to Mr. Dunn, and I was not allowed to participate. I had to sit in the hallway. So then later on that year, she took me and Amanda into the basement one day with a book that she rented from the library and we went through it and it was like explaining the anatomy and all of that stuff and sex and that was the first time and only time we ever spoke about sex so it wasn't (laughs) it wasn't discussed openly within the household then never what about emotional connections was that ever discussed was that ever talked about no not not either so you didn't really have a sense of I guess, knowing what you were getting into when you started in the dating world. Mm-hmm. I had no clue. So this is, this is a little bit personal, but let's get personal. <laughs> let's get um, personal. I love that. When I was started dating Tony for the first time, I didn't realize it at first because I was so, so naive, but he was very much a bad boy and I was very much a good girl. And I oh, could tell a hundred percent. I remember 100%. I remember like, being in school and seeing you guys dating. And I was like, this is so scandalous. This is right? the real key. Oh my God. <laughs> right. And I didn't really see it because I was so like brainwashed still that like, and he had like a year end school party uh, at his house, like and before he was going back to Vietnam for the summer. And I went, and this was like the first party I went to. And like, we, he dragged me into the basement bedroom. We started making out and like, he was going down, uh, like down to my skirt with his underneath my skirt with, with his hand. And I was like, what's, what's going on? Like, I didn't even know that that was a thing that you could do. Like, that's how clueless I was, Charlie. <laughs> oh my goodness. So basically so, you kind of, was it kind of like, how did you view sex as like, what was the starting point? What was the ending point? Did you kind of just think that it just happened and that was it? I thought it was just a thing that occurred during, during like when you were married and, mm-hmm. and it was just like penis, vagina in, out, done. That's You're it. Pregnant. Oh yep. my God. Okay. <laughs> so like, there was like no fun. It, there was no fun in it. There was you no. Had no idea that it could be fun. <laughs> yeah. So like the, when I was like first dating Tony and we were like making out for the first couple of times, I was like, whoa, Okay. I'm feeling feels like what's going on here. (laughs) What are these things that I'm feeling? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that 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 must've been, um, like, how did you, were you comfortable during all of these situations? First of all, um, the first time when like at that party, for example, that was the first time I ever was like touched. Okay. And that was, I, I felt a little bit violated because I didn't know what was happening, For but sure. now looking back, I think it was just ignorance. I didn't know. I literally yeah. didn't know. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so how has that affected your sex life? Like going into your relationship with Jen and like, just like you're, cause you dated Tony and then you started dating Jen right after. Right. Mm-hmm. So you've been with Jen since high school. So that was, I guess, like your only two sexual partners. Yep. So how was that? How did growing up within this community affect the way that you saw sex, the way that you enjoyed sex? Um, because I, I did a little bit of research on like looking through the rules and that kind of stuff. There isn't a whole lot Mm -hmm. online, but there is like a list of rules that you can, that you can find. Um, and I, I, I believe that one of those was just like, like you said, like being submissive to your husband. Yep. And so I guess like looking at that, when you, when I see like being submissive to your husband, I, I see it as like okay, I'm, I'm not allowed to have fun unless my husband is also like my husband is having mm. fun. Like I'm kind of like living for him almost. Right. Um, so how did that affect your sex life? And like being, being the, the strong independent woman that you are, were you also a strong independent woman in the bedroom and, and sexually, like, did you find that? Or did you find that you, because you didn't, you grew up not knowing a whole lot within this, this realm of, of living in your puberty years. And then, you know, going from that to having sex, do you find that that affected you at all? It was definitely a learning curve. Yeah. Um, but Jen was really like, he's, he's just such an open and easygoing guy that like, it was, it was easy to just slowly get used to it. Yeah. So like the first time we waited an entire year to have sex, like we waited until we came to Fredericton Okay. because I didn't want to risk doing it and then my parents finding out and me still living at home and then me me being trapped there because they didn't wouldn't let me leave or something so like I waited until I we were alone completely alone in a completely different city to do it and it was it was the best decision that we made for sure because we didn't stop (laughs) oh my god I love that like freaking (laughs) rabbits man that's amazing and do you yeah. find that you were really able to open up sexually with him pretty quickly uh pretty quickly yeah I I was I I want to say I was pretty shy still for probably the first year but after that like I started being a lot more open but I haven't been as open as I am now and probably until last year like it's wow. taken a really really long time for like my brain to just change gears. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I can imagine because you yeah. grew up with this your whole life. Like you didn't really know anything else. Right. Yeah. So I can imagine that that must've been such a huge transition for you too. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, have you ever heard of like the purity talks? Um, I feel like, like I, I feel like I heard it. So, so the only like other I guess like the only other religion that I could, um, compare, not compare, uh, but kind of like see similarities in was watching like 19 kids and counting. Yeah. Like the, the Duggars. And I know that that's, it's not the same religion because you guys don't have a denomination, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, no denomination. And we're following that profit. Yes, exactly. So it's completely yeah. not the same thing, but there is a little mm-hmm. bit, there's a few similarities for sure. Definitely some crossovers. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so tell me a little bit about the purity talks then. Cause obviously <sighs> I want to know. <laughs> yeah, this is brutal. And like me and my, and me and Vanessa, like cringe so hard when we think back about this. So, um, when I first 
when, we, when I think I reached like 15 and I was, this was the year again that they sent me to like church camp for the first time. And they were like trying to get me to start dating Christian boys. And we had the sex talk and everything. My parents were like, okay, we're going to purchase this purity kit. It's called passport to purity from a company called focus on the family. I don't know if you, if any of you have watched or heard like veggie tales, do you remember veggie tales? Yes. Okay. So focus on the family is the creator of veggie tales. They also okay. create these packets for like Christian families. So it comes with like a bunch of CDs and like a booklet and you have to go through like all the questions and listen to like the, the, the speaker on the, on the CDs basically. And it walks you through the steps on like how you're supposed to keep yourself pure for your future husband. And it was so cringy. My mom took us each one by one to like a cabin out on the lake for a weekend together. And we just sat there for a whole weekend learning about purity. Ooh. Oh my God. So tell us a little bit about that. <sighs> what kind of like, what was the weekend? Like, what did it entail? So there was like these little experiments even. So it was like, take like a, a glass of water that's clean and then take a jar of dirt. And then in the middle is you, the empty glass. And if you pour the dirt in, the dirt can never be removed. And that's your, you losing your purity. <laughs> so okay. cringe. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyways, that, that was like a two day, like crash course. And then after each of us each had our weekends with our mom, we then had a graduating ceremony where we all were given purity rings that we had to wear on our wedding finger. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do you still have this ring? No, I you don't have it chuck anymore. that thing in the garbage a long time okay. ago. <laughs> wow. I can't like, I, I can only imagine because obviously you would have spoken to your friends about this. Yeah. And so growing up with other teenage girls, what did your, what did your friends have to say about this? I made it very apparent that like, I wasn't game with this whole thing. So they okay. were like, you should just not wear it when you're okay. at school. And I was like, <laughs> so basically that's what I ended up doing. I used to just like shove it in my pencil case and like carry on with my day and then put it back on the end of the day and go home. That's fair. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Um, especially that, like, like you were saying a while ago, because you got to a point where you were kind of disassociating with um, with following it and being, being a part of it. And this doesn't go to say that, like, obviously there, are, there are lots of Christians in this world that follow, follow faith for their entire lives. And, mm -hmm. and that's totally okay. Like if that's what you choose to do, then absolutely all for you. Yeah. Like I have, I have lots of Christian friends as well that mm -hmm. are like some best friends, you know what I mean? Um, and, and some will follow it for their whole lives. And that's, that's what they want to do. And that's what they enjoy doing all for them. But I, I can't even imagine being within the community and then getting to a point where you're feeling like you're disassociating from the community and you're disassociating from your parents and just that relationship with your parents, not being the same anymore because of that. Mm -hmm. yep. So did they ever talk to you about the things that you were doing that you weren't following the rules. Mm -hmm. Like I said before, like they used to sit me down for like two hours right. at a time and just interrogate me. Yeah. Yeah. And how was that? Tell us a little bit was, about that. It was brutal. And I ended up creating this coping mechanism of just completely staying silent. So I would just sit there in silence, put up a wall and just let them talk to me. And I would not respond. Wow. 
So it, it was really hard. And I find myself reverting to that sometimes when I'm around them even now, which is actually one of the reasons why I have decided to cut them out of my life completely. Okay. So how long ago <laughs> did this happen? Um, it's been two months now and I haven't spoken to them. Okay. So yeah. was there, was there kind of like a point where you were kind of like, I'm done with this or did something happen that you were kind of like, I'm done with this. I don't want to do this anymore. Or it was actually COVID things that actually kind of brought it around. And it was, it kind of was like triggering my PTSD from my childhood. And so just to give you a little bit of a basic overview. My parents are anti-vaxxers, anti-maskers. They think COVID is fake and they're Trump supporters. So having that toxicity around me was, and them trying to shove their views and opinions onto me and trying to force me to believe that their way to think is right was again, bringing back all those memories of them trying to brainwash me with religion. And I just didn't need that negativity in my life anymore. So I said, goodbye. Okay. And they're, they're still, they're still within that community, right? Not as much as they used to be, but yes, their beliefs are still there. They, they no longer attend church because there is no church in Edmondson. Okay. So that was another question that I was going to ask you. You guys went to church, but where, where was it? It was Was... in, it was in Madawaska, Maine. So right across the border. I see. So now with borders being closed, they're not able to cross or even attend or see anybody from the religion at all. So they're just kind of doing their own thing by themselves. Okay. Wow. Okay. So I guess like you kind of got to a point where you were like, listen, you know, our views are very different and you know, that that can be very okay in most Mm -hmm. circumstances, but once you get to a point where they're constantly trying to get you to, to change, almost like you said, it was triggering, you know, what you'd went through your child, what you'd went through in your childhood, how they were trying to get you to stay within the community and follow the rules within the community. And you felt like you were disassociating and kind of like reeling back and realizing that you didn't want to follow these rules. I can Mm -hmm. understand I can understand and empathize with you as to why you would kind of want to just, you know, kind of do your own thing for a little while. Exactly. And like, I started therapy for the first time in January and that really opened my eyes to how intense my childhood was. And I didn't realize how bad it was until I actually took a step back and actually viewed it from a third person perspective. And I was like, that was actually really screwed up and I need to actually heal. And them being in my life was impeding my healing. So I was like, they need to be cut out so that I can heal myself fully. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that therapy is one of the most amazing things on the planet. Um, It is. (laughs) I started for the first time uh, last year and same thing. It was like such a awakening when you Mm -hmm. first start and like all of those things, it's so hard at first because you're working through all of these things that you thought that you had healed from that you actually didn't heal from. You just kind of disassociated for a while and now you are associated with these emotions again. And so you're kind of going through those same traumas all over again. So I, I can imagine that it would have been quite the experience for you starting to go through that, that roller coaster of emotions all over again. It was pretty intense, especially since she had me write my timeline from like basically from beginning to end, like every, every little bit of trauma that I could remember. And like, as I was writing, the more, more of them were coming back to me that I had completely blocked out. 
Mm -hmm. that was wild I was like oh my god I didn't even remember that happened until now and that was not okay (laughs) yeah absolutely absolutely oh my god that's uh, yeah that's I feel like that's a lot to unpack and that's a lot to handle at once it was a lot of deep shit (laughs) yeah for sure yeah (laughs) so now you are still living in Fredericton um how has this impacted your life today how are, do you have different views on things because of the things that you went through when you were, when you were a kid? Um, especially when it comes to being a woman within this religion, I think we talked mm-hmm. a little bit about that, how, um, the religion is very much, or the, the community that you grew grown up in was very much based on the man was the ruler of the household and you had to be submissive to your husband. And that was kind of the way that it went. Um, so tell me a little bit about your views as a woman. I know that you are a very strong, independent woman, but are you a very strong, independent woman now because of the things that you went through as a, as, as a child? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing, seeing how women were treated and oppressed makes me want to be the complete opposite of that now. Yeah. 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 I feel like that would have been just, I feel like that for someone like you, um, who we have very similar personalities, I think that growing up within a community that you couldn't speak when you were, I guess, how can I word this? You couldn't speak up on things that you thought were right, or you couldn't speak up on things that you thought were wrong because you couldn't have, have been, an opinion at exactly. all. Basically, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly. And did you kind mm-hmm. of see that growing up with your parents? Like, did you kind of see that with your mom at all? Yeah. Like within, within the house behind closed doors, my mom had an opinion, but my dad always echoed something in response. Okay. And then she always felt like she had to like, be like, Oh yeah, you're right. Like okay. she always had to agree with him. And then at church, it was as, as if the women had to be silent and the men were the ones in charge of everything. And we were just kind of swaying in the back. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize, I, I didn't realize just how much went into, went into the religion and how I, I knew that, you know, I, I knew a few things when we were growing up together. I knew that you guys had worn, were wearing skirts and you had really long hair and you weren't allowed to cut your hair, but I didn't really know mm-hmm. any of those other things. So I think it, it's really interesting to sit here with you and to talk about all of the things that you went through as a child and what, yeah. what it was like, you know, feeling like you were disassociating from your from that community and feeling like you didn't want to follow the same footsteps as your parents. Mm -hmm. And, um, one of the rules that I'd seen when I'd looked up, uh, those, those rules was that the women weren't allowed to work. Is that, was that a thing? So the ones who really follow this, like super strictly, yeah, that's definitely one of the rules that's, that's followed. But in our case, uh, we grew up quite poor. So my mom always ended up kind of working on the side. She's a housekeeper. So she just kind of runs her own business and goes to clean people's houses, but that's about it that she could do. Like, okay. She, she never went and pursued another education. Okay. She thought about it many times, but was basically shut down saying that like she shouldn't. So was that also another thing that you guys needed to follow too, is that women weren't allowed to get an education? Yeah. Wow. So I, I was like the first one in a long time to like break that, 
barrier. And I was like, I'm moving out of the house and I'm going to get an education. (laughs) So did you, when you started disassociating from just feeling like you didn't belong within this community, were you still attending church and were you still going to these gatherings? Um, yes. So the, I stopped going to church in 12th grade. Okay. And the only reason I was able to stop going to church was because I forced my boss to book me shifts on Sundays. So I would not have to work. (laughs) So that's another thing you had started working in 12th grade. Was that, was that kind of not a good thing within the household? Was that not, um, viewed as like, you're not supposed to be doing this? I actually got my first job at 14. Oh, wow. Okay. What were you doing at 14? And I was, I was bus girl at Pizza Delight in okay. Edmondson. Okay. And then at 16, I switched over to PJs and Victoria Steakhouse for the quality in. And I was there up until I graduated high school. So they were not a fan because I was obviously getting influence from now older women, older free women, because the waitresses that I worked with, like waitresses are kind of like their own free spirit. They're badasses. Absolutely. Okay? Like, <laughs> so, so like these, these ladies were like in their fifties and they'd been, they'd been waitressing for like 20 years. And they were just like, they, they were such an inspiration to me. I was like, I want to be like you, like free and just happy. So that's the, that's the year I started wearing pants and I was like, I'm not going to church anymore. And they could tell that my parents could tell that like this job was affecting me, but they couldn't stop me because this job allowed me to buy my own clothes, which was not skirts, which was bonus and actually like get any save up money for, for college, which was like my, my biggest goal in life was getting out of Edmondson period for sure. And so did you, um, did you have a conversation with your parents about going and getting an education? And that was kind of like, you got a negative response from it. The, I could tell my dad was a little bit more for it. My mom was a little bit more against it. And I think that's just because she was jealous and that's coming from the place of her not being able to pursue her dreams. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was, it's, it was constantly like that with my mother. She's kind of a narcissist and she, she always tried to like make us her mini me's basically. So everything that she did, we had to do or everything that she couldn't do, we couldn't do. So she made me feel bad about wanting to leave the house and going to get an education. Okay. And how, yeah. like, like being at such a young age, like I remember, um, growing up with my parents and like, my parents were so on board for me, um, going and getting an education and going to college and becoming a photographer. I remember when I was like 13, 14 years old and I just started taking photos. Um, I told my parents that I wanted to be a photographer and my dad like lit up right away and was like, okay, we are going to go to Walmart and we're going to print off some photos that you took because you need to have a portfolio when you go meet with your clients. So we <laughs> printed that. off, yeah. So we printed off like a bunch of photos and my parents have just always been my biggest supporters since I was a little kid, like whatever I wanted to do, if whatever I wanted to do, they were always like, okay, if that's what you want to do, we'll make it happen. So I just can't imagine growing up within a household and having your parents not be 
supportive in that sense, like not be supportive in you getting an education and, you know, mm-hmm. having your own business because you have your own business now. And, yeah, you know, from what I've seen that that's going really, really well for you too. Mm-hmm. So have they ever expressed that they were proud of you for, for going out and getting an education, starting a business, doing all that kind of stuff? Now they have said that. Okay. Yes. Okay. But back then, like that's, that's 10 years ago. So mm-hmm. oh, they have definitely progressed mentally slightly in the last 10 years. And I mean, slightly. Okay. Do you <laughs> yeah. think that, do you think that they'll ever, I guess, like go the same route as you did? Maybe your mom, um, pursuing her dreams and, uh, your dad getting out of the religion as well. Do you think that that will ever happen? I highly doubt it. You don't think so? For the mere fact that they are probably scared to be judged by everyone who is still in the community. Okay. Do it's you... all about how they view each other. And I, that, that mentality is so awful. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think that it can definitely have a huge impact on you and your mental health and that kind of stuff too. Um, so talking about mental health, bringing that into the equation a little bit, how was that for you growing up? Like, was there any sense of help for mental health? Did you, um, ever talk about anxiety and depression and anything like that? And does anxiety and depression affect you today? Um, it, it definitely was affecting me, especially in 12th grade when, Uh, when I was started dating Jen and I knew I didn't want to be in the religion anymore. And I felt very trapped in the house yeah. the night that my dad ran up the stairs with my diary in hand. I actually was suicidal that night and not very many people know that. And I, the two people who should have been there for me to support me through this were my parents. And they're the ones who are actually causing me to feel this way. So I had no one to talk to about it. And it was pretty friggin' awful. I'm and so now sorry to that you day, had to go through that. Yeah. And now to this day, I'm dealing with extreme anxiety and PTSD from all of this because they just didn't, they chose to raise us with religion instead of love and kindness. And that's just, that's just at the core of who I am. And it's hard to kind of fix that deep down, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So was, um, was mental health ever spoken about growing up, growing up within the family? It was always pushed aside as though it doesn't, it didn't, really exist and I remember one specific moment and it didn't happen to me it was Vanessa she was depressed and it was right when Amanda had moved out of the house so she was the the only kid left at home trapped with my parents and she was feeling a little bit depressed and she went up to my mom and she was like mom I'm feeling a little bit depressed and her response was go read your bible (sighs) okay yeah so that's what we dealt with (laughs) Wow. So are all of your sisters out of the religion? Um, Amanda, not really. She married a piece of shit (laughs) and I, I, we don't really speak because of him. He's very controlling. No matter how many times I reach out to Amanda, she doesn't respond. Like my, like Vanessa messaged her today and asked her to like call her when she had a chance to talk by herself and she got no response. Like she's she's either choosing to cut us out because she thinks that Riley's going to judge her or she's cutting us out because Riley's forcing her to, to cut us out okay it's one of those two options but she still speaks to my parents because I was just gonna ask if she still it. if she still had a relationship with your parents yep okay wow so yeah. you and Vanessa are very much out um out completely yeah 
Okay. Completely out. I yeah. actually, um, I started following Vanessa on TikTok and she has quite a mm-hmm. few videos of her talking about, um, just like the, you know, just growing up with this and, um, yep. having the life that you guys had when you were growing up. And I think it's really interesting to speak to someone from this perspective, to speak to someone who had grew up like this and, yep. um, decided that it, it wasn't for them and deciding to leave and just how that affected you when you were leaving and how that affects you now, how it still affects mm-hmm. you now. Yeah. And it definitely does. <laughs> yeah. I, I can imagine that it would. So now that you're out, now that you don't have a relationship with your parents anymore, how, how is your mental health? It's getting better. Thank goodness for therapy. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely now trying to open up more, especially to, to Jen, like when, when I wrote my timeline out, I actually had him read it and he didn't know half the shit that I wrote on there because I just, I've, I've, I still had that wall up emotionally that I had put there a long time ago against my parents. And I didn't realize how thick that wall was until I handed that him that timeline and I was like read this and he was like I didn't know half of this why didn't you ever tell me this and I was like I I couldn't I physically couldn't get it out of me so yeah yeah, it's been tough (laughs) so do you find that now you're able to talk more openly about this kind of stuff absolutely which is why I agreed to be on here because (laughs) if you would have asked me this last year I would have said hell no Well, I don't think I ever, because obviously I follow you on Instagram as well. And I had never seen anything that you had posted um, up until International Women's Day when you talked about um, growing up within a community that was very male dominated. Yeah. So it was from that post that I was actually sitting at the hairdressers uh, a few weeks, like probably like a month and a half ago. And I was like, I wonder if she would I wonder if she would be open to having a conversation with me about this. And so I kind of like, it's like, uh, like, we'll just like leave it for a little while. And I kind of pondered on the idea. And finally I was like, you know what? Like I can, let's, let's just ask her and see if she would want to talk about this because I think it's really interesting to, again, talk to someone who, who has that perspective has that Mm -hmm. direct perspective with growing up within this community and and leaving and how that kind of how that transition was for you so I just want to thank you for for coming on here and sharing your story with me and with all of our listeners well thanks for having me (laughs) so um tell tell us where we can find you um Melissa Bourbonnet on Instagram and, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I have. I mean, I have a TikTok, but I don't post very much on there. <laughs> okay. Perfect. I feel like it was the same thing with me when I first got TikTok. it was basically just a ghost account. I was just on there because I wanted to like videos and exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Melissa, for, for coming on and sharing your story. And I'm sure that our listeners are really going to enjoy listening to this story and listening to you speak about it. Um, so thank you so much for, for being here today. It was so lovely speaking with you. Thanks for having me. And if anybody has questions or anything, just send me a message on Instagram. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much.